Welcome to another episode of the That's My Dad podcast. A little unusual today. We're here, uh, you know, our, our focus and purpose here is to inspire young men who may be going through a difficult time. And we have a guy here who uh, went through a, an extremely difficult childhood. And I appreciate him having the courage to come and share his story. But uh, his, his family's still around. You know, the last thing we want to do is embarrass anybody or make anybody uncomfortable. And uh, the only way we could figure to really tell his story, because it, it, it's a story that's incredibly inspirational because of where he is today, to know what, what he came through. So the only way we found to really tell the story was to, to leave him in disguise a little bit. And the production crew, I think, figured out a good way to do that. So we'll be using a fictitious name. Uh, just have to bear with me through that. But I want to introduce you to Barry. Uh, Barry is a guy that I interviewed for my book a couple of years ago now. And I'll never forget the day, Barry, that we did that interview in my in my living room. I, th- I don't think you had talked much about <clears throat> your situation and growing up with your dad that day. And um, it was a very emotional day for all of us in fact i remember my wife saying i just can't i can't sit in on any more of these because she'd gone through two or three of those but this is a it's a difficult thing for you to talk about it is um my daughter was there that day and she wasn't supposed to be Mm -hmm. um and had heard some of that story but not all of it you know um that um kind of Kind of puts it in a different spotlight, I guess, when yeah I'm talking about it in front of her. It was really interesting because we, we did that interview in my living room, your wife and my wife and the two of us, and and your daughter came because she she had, had been scheduled to go somewhere else and yeah. the, the, something fell through mm-hmm. and she kind of at the last minute came. Yep. But uh, she would end up playing a major role in that interview because yeah. of a, a story she told about you. Yep. Uh, but... Barry, you're what we consider a script flipper. A script flipper is someone who takes a life story and, and comes out of a difficult situation, and they they turn things around. And you're the kind of guy that we want to speak to our our young men who are, we hope listen, and I know they do listen, because there are a lot of young guys out there going through what you went through, and it was a pretty tragic time, so... What I want to do is just kind of ask you to um, share your story, your childhood, and and, and follow follow on through. Okay. Um, so uh, when my mom was about 15 years old when I came along, she was uh, – her and my dad were together. Uh, my dad was uh, alcohol and dope consumed his life um and then later my mother's um he left shortly after i was born i would say two or three months after i was born um uh, my mother and i from what i can remember from the time i can start remembering we bounced around from place to place um living wherever um, she, she couldn't stay clean, um, 
long enough to keep a job and everything else. So we, um, I lived with my grandparents. I moved in with my grandparents, and then it was sporadic. I'd go back and forth between her and them, and um, she's was married. I think about six times in that span of from the time I was born till I guess I was 18 years old or so. I think she was married about six times. Um, um, basically the same man every time. Um, alcohol, drugs, um, abusive. Um, beat her and uh, would have me as well, you know. Uh, but um, it rolled on um, till I was probably, I think I was around 14 to 16, the first time I remember meeting my dad. Um, he had moved to California, um, was in a motorcycle wreck. He, his parent, his mother lived here. He came out here to kind of rehabilitate through all that. The first time I met him, he was in a a body cast for the most part. Um, Rough, you know. um, And from that point, he said he wanted to get involved and he was back and forth for a while. And uh, I guess about the time I was 17, 18, we kind of, I kind of just told him to quit calling. Because we could never stick to nothing, um, and uh, from there uh, met my wife, um, her, my grandparents, my granddaddy. Just to I guess go back a little bit, my granddaddy played a very instrumental role in my life as far as helping raise me. Mm-hmm. Um, tried to keep me, you know on the path Mm -hmm. um, um, I I guess it wasn't until I met my wife and met her her father Um, I had gotten involved with I was going down the same road that my mom was and um, alcohol had become a important thing in my life um uh, drugs was creeping in. Um, my wife's father, just um, a God-feared man, um, took me in. Uh, we was dating. I would living at home or with a friend or whatever through most of it. Um, got to a point where. I guess they kind of knew what was going on with my home life. So they, uh, her dad kind of made a deal with me that it, I could spend the night there on Saturday night if I'd get up and go to church with him on Sunday morning. Hmm. Um, and if I didn't uphold my end of the bargain the following Saturday, I didn't stay there. And he always upheld his end of the bargain. <laughs> uh, so... It got to where I would rather just stay there on Saturday night because of the chaos that was going on at home. Hmm. Um, so um, 
it rolled on for a couple of years like that. Um, me running and acting a fool and just living how I wanted to live. And um, her dad just continued to live the gospel in front of me. He never preached to me. He never, never told me, you know, I was going to die and go to hell for the way I was li- mm-hmm. living. He never, never done any of that. He just um, lived the gospel in front of me, and um, which intrigued me to know more. And the we were engaged for my wife and I dated for six years. We was engaged for four, and probably for the last four years of our engagement, I lived there with them. And um, I don't know many men um, speaking as one that would allow their mm-hmm. daughter's boyfriend <laughs> to live with them. Now, um, I slept on the couch, of course, and he didn't sleep. <laughs> he, but um, he made sure I was where I was supposed to be all the time. But um, um, so um, I guess it was uh, when I was twenty. Uh, we was going to a local church here, and uh, we was, my wife and I was going to a college and career group. They were preaching, and um, prior to that, um, the pastor had come to the house and had talked to me, and I told him that, um, that we had went to church that Sunday morning, and he, uh, he'd done the ever... The, Ever head bowed, ever eye closed, you know, mm-hmm. we've done that. And if you thought, if you died today, think you'd go to hell, raise your hand. I raised my hand. He come to the house that afternoon, um, talked to me. I told him that everybody else was <laughs> lying too. <laughs> I would see them all there. <laughs> um, a uh, very dangerous place in my life at that time. Um, bad place. Um, he uh, he told me I was wrong, you know, and I'm glad he did. He just, but uh, he left there crying that day, and I told him that I was okay with going to hell. And um, looking back, that might be the dumbest thing I've ever said, and I've said a lot of dumb things. So, um, but um. A couple of years later, uh, we was at the college and career, and he was preaching, and uh, that's the night that the Lord called me, and um, a couple of years later, my wife and I was married, and we're 21 years, 20 years in now of marriage, and um, it ain't all been easy. Mm-hmm. Um my past creeps in from time to time and uh, trust and you trust issues and um, doubt and a lot of things roll in from just living the way we lived. And uh, It was a pretty emotional moment when you shared, a couple of years ago you shared your story with me. Uh, I don't think you talked to a lot of people about that for a number of years, did you? I, um, no, it's... Um, it was something that I've um, kept 
to myself for a long, long time. Um, some of it is, I guess, at the time, uh, embarrassment, maybe, um, of growing up the way we did. Um, some of it was um, the things we did, you know. Yeah. Just yeah. Are you still experiencing the pain from that? And how do you deal with that? Absolutely. Um, the I don't think I don't know that there will ever come a time where I'm over it. Um, that would be nice, but um, uh, now the way I deal with it, I guess, is first of all the word. I try to submerge myself in God's word. Um, surround myself with um, godly men and and men that's not afraid to tell me mm-hmm. what's what. Mm-hmm. Um, I think every young man needs that in his life, no matter whether he thinks it or not. Um, you need somebody in your life that will be hard with you, um, tell you when you, you mess up, tell you when you're going to mess up and um, and tell you when you do good. You know, I, I think you need that. So, ironically, your dad called you today. Yeah, um, that was kind of a um, – he will call occasionally. Um, he and I have not spoken in, I, w- I would say, four to five years. Um, and um, – in that conversation, um, his mother had gotten a hold of me and said that um, they thought he had pancreatic cancer about eight years ago. And um, me and him we uh, have never had a relationship, a good one. Um, so, um, when I heard that, you know, um, I called a, a dear friend of mine <laughs> and him talked about it and he's the guy that stands in the gap for me. <clears throat> he told me that, um, he said, you do what you want to do, but I think you know what you have to do. Mm-hmm. So I went, I went to his house. We, um. We talked about a few things, and, um, you know, he uh, felt like he was he was facing mortality, I feel like. He thought he was about to die, and he wanted to try to make things right. Um, you know, 38 years later, I guess, he wanted to make them right. But, um, mm-hmm. So we talked, and he wanted to meet my daughter. He had, he had never met her up until then. And I told him that I felt that, you know, he'd have to prove himself to me before I could allow that to happen. Um, but um, in that conversation, uh, I got to share the gospel with my dad. Um, you know, it's, uh, that's all I could do at that moment, you know. And, um, and we left on decent terms 
you know, he and I uh, communicated, and I would go visit for probably six months, six or seven months, and um, he stuck to his guns. He everything that he said he would do, he did. Everything I asked of him, he did. Um. So um. Uh, when my daughter was roughly 12, I guess, 11, 12 years old, she, uh, we went to his house, and she met him for the first time. And uh, it was a, a, a great day. Everything went real smooth, real easy. And uh, I told her she didn't owe him anything except respect. You know, just because that's the way we've raised her, you, you know, you don't have to, there's no name you have to call him. You call him by his name. You don't have to call him Papa or Granddaddy or nothing. You just call him by his name. But so um, uh, we set up another meeting and um, found out that he didn't have pancreatic cancer during this some of this time, and it was something else. And uh, trying to set up the other meeting, it all fell apart from there. Um, he <clears> went back to. Just um, doing what he wanted to do and uh, being his old self. So um, um, there was some regret on my side there a little bit for, a, and, and it was selfish regret. I feel like um, uh, at the time, I wish I could have went back and not let him matter. Um. But looking back at that, that was me being that was me being selfish, you know, um if I he had hurt me for all these years and even as a grown man if if you can't meet your granddaughter then it'd hurt you a little bit, you know. And uh looking back that was uh, how I felt about it, but um uh it rolled on for a while and me and him's talked since then, and I told him, you know, it's just um, it's uh, kind of a, a flag on the play. You know, yeah. you can't yeah. – I can't allow you to um, be that in her life, like, you know, in and out of her life like he was mine. Um, Sometimes we tend to be kind of romantic about those kind of things, and, so, and you, you know, you got to put the romance aside sometimes. Sure you, you, you've messed up. You, you messed know, up. You, Dad, you messed up. You've yep. you got to pay the consequences. Yep. This is the way it works. This is the real world. Yep. And then one of the consequences is you don't get to see your grandkids. That's right. You know, tough luck. You should have done better. Yep. I think sometimes you just got to be tough. Yep. But did you ever come to a point, or have you come to a point that, that you forgave your dad and that you've been able to move on? Uh, yeah, um, I have sat on the couch with him, and we have um, talked and cried together, and I, I have forgave him. Um, I did a long time ago, did it a long time ago, but um don't think I really meant what I said. Um, but now there's a, there's a piece about it. Um, there's still a little bit of... Um, there's still some tension, some animosity when the phone rings and his name's on there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but um, 
I have forgiven him, and, and I've asked for forgiveness for a few things, you know. Um, there's been times probably where um, I feel like I didn't try hard enough as well, maybe. But um, um, we are – I have, but at the same time, it's uh, uh, with the current state that he's mm-hmm. in, it's hard to trust. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, what if? What What would be your ideal situation with your dad? Um, from here here forward, if if you could write the script as to what's going to happen now. Honestly, <laughs> it, it sounds awful, but uh, for him never to call again. Yeah, <clears throat> you know that's that's reality, guys. Yeah. You treat your kids like dirt. This is the reality of yeah. what happens, and I think the message here for our target audience for those young guys who are you know needing to break the the generational curses and the flip the script if if you treat your kids like dirt there comes a day where they don't want anything to do with you yeah and i think you're you're at that point mm-hmm. and nobody can blame you quite frankly 40 yeah. years of treating your kids like dirt <clears throat> this is the result can kind of kind of wrap up there Throw throw away the crutches. Quit blaming people. And I'm going to tell you something. If anybody did have a good reason to make excuses, it's you. I mean, you've you've, you've had it rough. And I think that's the message that young men need to hear is, uh, hey, the guy I'm looking at right here has had it as rough as anybody I've ever known. And he threw away the crutches. No excuses. going to make it. And the evidence of that is 20 years of committed marriage and being a faithful worker, husband, and most importantly for me, a, a faithful, great dad. <clears throat> so we got with your daughter, and we just asked her to tell us what she thinks about her dad. And we want to share that with you. The thing I like most about my dad is... He's always there. He's always there supporting, no matter, like, any sporting events, he's there. He's always there with a smile on his face, no matter if he has to leave work early or go to work longer on another day just to get things done. And he's at everything. He he was at every gymnastics meet I ever had. He's been at every cross-country race I've ever had, every track meet, everything. He's always been there, and he's always come and supported me, and he's always, he's just always been there. <laughs> um, my favorite story about my dad is, so when I was younger, I did competitive gymnastics, and one day, my grandparents picked me up from school because I had a meet, and... They said that my dad had had an accident. And at first I was confused. I didn't really know what was happening. I just knew something wasn't right because they were kind of startled. And so by the time I got home, I 
my dad was sitting on the couch covered in bandages and I could tell he was in a lot of pain. Him and a guy he worked with were burning bushes and limbs and stuff out here at our, at our house and he threw a bottle that had a little bit of gasoline, like not even a lot, on the fire and it flamed up and burned him. And it burned him so bad he ended up having like third degree burns on the backs of his legs and first and second on the backs of his arms. It was bad. And the meat I had that day was like an hour and a half to almost two hours away. And I remember coming in and saying, it's okay. You don't have to go. I understand. I can tell you how it went when I get home. You do not have to go. I promise it's okay. And he looked at me and he said, I wouldn't miss it. I don't care how much pain I'm in. He, he was not going to miss it. And he didn't. He rode in the car for almost two hours and then sat on bleachers for several hours after that and sat there and watched me compete and told me I did a great job and then we all went home and that was that was the day I knew that he would be there for me for everything because he was in so much pain but he he came to that anyway and then dad dad I want to thank you for For always being there. For always coming and supporting me with a smile on your face and never questioning anything about it. And I also want to thank you for being my partner in crime. We get into some crazy things and sometimes I don't like it, but it's always worth it in the end because We'll always have those memories. And I just want to thank you for being my dad. Because I would not be the person I am today without you. And you've taught me how I should carry myself and how I should act. And I really thank you for that because I'm going to need it. And I need it today. So, I thank you for everything, and I thank you for all the memories we made and all the more that we're going to make, and I love you. So, <clears throat> so how does it feel to be a hero? Speechless. Yeah. You don't have to say anything. <laughs> yeah. You've been through enough. That's an incredible story. Um, thir third degree burns. And the part of it I don't think she told is you, the doctors came to, the medics I think came to get you in, at the accident and... Yeah. 
you told them I'm not going to the hospital because yeah. my da- daughter has a gymnastics meet. And yeah. you wrapped it up and went down there. And then when you came after you after you sat through that meet, came home, uh, she told me that when she saw you unwrap, you had third degree burns all over your your back and your legs. And she said, when I saw what my dad had been through, I knew that he would always be there for me. So, Barry, thanks for being a hero. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's been good. You're going to inspire somebody. You're going to inspire somebody. I know this has been tough, but thank you so much for sharing your story. That's going to conclude another episode of the That's My Dad podcast. And I think today we've inspired a young father to be a great dad, and I think we've gone a long way in breaking cycles of generational fatherlessness. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Thank you.